Hi everybody and welcome back inside the Shark Tank, a Sell Sharks podcast. Uh, it's been a long summer, but the Premiership season is just around the corner. Uh, and we're here to do a big deep dive on everything relating to sale uh, for the upcoming year. My name is Lewis and I'm delighted to say I'm joined as always by my good friends Alex and James. Alex, how's it going mate? Yeah, very good mate, very excited for rugby to be back on. <laughs> and James, how are you? Very good mate, very excited to well, like I said, we're going to going to talk a lot about the upcoming season for sale um, in the next sort of hour, two hours, depending on how uh, I can see James looking a bit frustrated already <laughs> at the thought of doing a two-hour podcast. Um, but we're going to touch on all manner of things. Um, but the first thing I wanted to say is, obviously, we've got a first look at the new Sale Sharks home kit for the upcoming season. Uh, and obviously, we're going to talk a little bit more about it later on and probably uh, pick it apart scene by scene. Um, but before we start, I, I want to relay an anecdote that uh, I had from this previous week. Uh, having seen the new kit, I sent it to, to both my parents to see what they thought. Now, my dad's a season ticket holder, and I've been going with, it, with him uh, for the last 10-15 years. My mum has only a passing interest in rugby. Uh, she'll watch it when it's on TV, um, but obviously isn't a diehard fan like me or my dad. Um, the only response I got, having sent her the new kit, and the image I sent her was the one with Fafter Clerk, um, stood smiling with his thumbs up. The only response I got was she turned back. <laughs> she uh, she texted me back and said, "Since when did Barney Rubble from the Flintstones play for sale?" <laughs> and <laughs> that sort of says says it all um, in terms of uh, the sort of in depth level of analysis we're going to be hitting on this podcast. So, uh, cartoon characters aside, uh, let's just open up straight away. Um, I'm happy to start wherever, but um, yeah. So, how is Sale going to do in the 2017-18 Premiership season? That is the million-dollar question, isn't it? And like always, I think we go into another season where we're kind of hopeful, but also a little bit terrified. Um, I think it'll all, it'll all come down to those first five games. I think we've got three games at home uh, in those first five games, and I think all three of them we should win. Um, the two away games, I think, are Saracens and Wasps, so we're not expecting much there. But if we get three wins out of the first five then we can start thinking top six is possible. If we don't win three games against those teams that we actually have at home, I mean, God knows. So um, what are we going to do? Well, obviously I knew you were going to ask this question before I came <laughs> up, but I'm, yeah, I'm genuinely struggling. I, I think we'll come eighth. Okay. I've got hopeless optimism, as usual. So, um, But hopeless optimism this season is limited to probably sixth. I'd, I'd be happy with that. I think there is a great potential for us to start the season with pretty much a fairly similar team to the one that we ended last season with, bar probably scrum off where we're going to have a whole new sort of set of players. And therefore, you you are you've got a bit more consistency than you would have if you were chucking O'Connor, John Ross straight in and relying on them. So there's the potential for us to sort of carry on the form that we saw towards the end of last season, especially with AJ McGinty and people like that, and then blend in the new players and just, you know, start steadily and climb. What will probably happen is average start and we'll pick up at the end of the season again. Um, but I'd, I'd quite like to think that maybe with with an established 10, um, some world-class quality at nine and hopefully a decent forward pack we should be alright but as we've discussed during pre-season I think our front row could be maybe the undoing of us because I think we're really strong everywhere else but 
Yeah, one, one thing um, we'll talk about later is I'm, I'm interested to see if we've identified any players who are going to be you know the key to sales season. And I've got an interesting take on that that I, that I want to talk about later. Um, but this is the way I sort of see it at the moment. So James said seventh, Alex said sixth. Um, I think if you... Obviously, we're having to do this on paper. But if you look at the teams around us and in the Premiership, how many can we definitely say Sale are better than? Because for me, I think there's three. I think on paper, we're definitely better than London Irish, Worcester and Newcastle. And I think there's a case to be made that we're better than Gloucester and Northampton Saints. So using that as the sort of basis of my argument, I think you know there is a chance... Uh, that sale would probably sort of finish seventh because I think the way I'm looking at it at the moment is going into the season with the players we have and the depth we have there are a few teams that we're definitely not going to catch you know Wasps, Saracens, Exeter etc but there are a few that we're definitely better than London Irish and and, and Worcester my thinking is that this entire season is going to depend on how we perform in relation to those teams around us which is Gloucester which I think is Northampton I know that might be a little bit more controversial I'll talk about that later on um but I can't see Sale finishing anywhere other than ninth to sixth, and do, so so in in theory, I mean obviously the difference is, is is huge. Would you consider that a good season if Sale jumped from tenth last season to anywhere between sixth and ninth this year? Is that enough progress given that the amount of uh, investment that the team have put in this year, or you know should we be you know should we be aiming higher? Like where does where where do you where do you stand on that? We have got to remember that last season, by the, by the time we were in January, we were still in a relegation fight. So I think progress this year would be going into the next round of recruitment, well, well clear of that and looking up the table and thinking that we're actually in a battle for it. I think the thing was last year, we weren't in the mix at all for Champions Cup. Um, if This year, I am expecting us to be in the mix. It's just whether, as you say, we, we're sort of sick or whether we're, we're sort of ninth. And I, I think your analysis is actually pretty good. And from the tweets that we put out this morning and the responses that we had... Um, you know, at, at Seller Boss said a real fight for top six with some uh, most interesting, exciting back play, but ultimately let down Bob Bulk and depth up front. And I'm sure we'll get onto that in a bit. Uh, at um, Joe Russell said sick with Solomona, a be the top try scorer. That's definitely possible. That's um, a good bet. That's a good some, bet. Somebody was was on the was on something this morning that I want I want a bit of um, because there was something in there about. Uh, winning the Challenge Cup and the Anglo-Welsh and sneaking into the top four, <laughs> which, you know, this person, we probably need on the podcast for a bit of optimism, <laughs> <laughs> um, especially with my, my pessimism. So I think the general feeling is, and looking at the papers as well this morning, Stephen Jones and Nick Kane in the in the rugby paper, uh, the Daily Mail as well, that, that they have us somewhere between 6th and 10th. Um, and I think, and I think it's because there's so many unknowns. Because for the second season in a row, we are going into a season with unknowns at tight head. There's an unknown quantity, and unknowns at ten as well. Um, and so, you know, that's pretty critical for the season, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, if it goes well at three and ten, then we could come tenth. Uh, sorry, we could come uh, sixth. No doubt, um, no doubt about it. If things don't go well there, the wheels could fall off quite quickly. So. Um, fingers crossed that Dimes has um, recruited astutely with O'Connor, uh, Griff John, and I think if we, so we're thinking this prop, and, and we've all watched pre-season, and we're thinking we've got quite a few unknowns. Then people 
who are writing about the whole Premiership who don't follow Sale like we do are, are even more in the unknown. Not to say that we're more informed, but just that, you know, if, if three Sale fans are a bit unsure of where we're going to finish. So I, I think 10th is a bit harsh. I think we're usually underestimated by sort of the press not to not to turn that into an attack <laughs> but I think they they sort of you know we're a bit of a us and Newcastle are very separate to the rest of the league really um, in terms of we're just you know that further step away that TV coverage and things like that are, are a bit harder for us to you know generate interest in so I, yeah, I do. I think six and ninth is probably a good call in terms of whether it'd be a success. On your original question, I do think that what Simon Orange and Jed Mason have done, and they've said it, is that they're not here for the short term, and therefore, you know, we're not looking for short term success. If we finish in top four, it's, it'd be a dream come true, but I don't think it'll happen. I don't think they're anticipating it'll happen. They've signed players on five year deals and four year deals with the sort of thought that in four and five years we'll be at a point where we're competing at a really high level but yeah I'd like to see I think James is right if we can come round to January next season and be in a position of strength then you stop losing people like Cipriani and Taylor like we did last season um, and you start well you start attracting those kind of players don't you so you attract either big name players or you attract really promising players who are going to make a make a big impact okay yeah so it seems like we, we're in agreement that you know we should perhaps temper expectations and uh, the anonymous uh, twitter user who thought we might be top four and multi-champions this season is perhaps a little bit out of uh, uh, out of line but I, I want to just because I know it'll stir a bit of controversy I want to go back to, to the point I made originally and w- would you agree that Sale are definitely better than London Irish and Worcester because I think that's that's the absolute minimum for next season I don't think I think 10th in, in retrospect last season was fine you know we were a young squad we didn't have that many talented players we're, we're a better team this year uh, at least on paper and we're definitely a much deeper team but I think Tenth would be an absolute minimum. I can't see us being in a relegation battle again. He says, you know, furiously, like <laughs> trying to find the nearest table Tenth to touch wood. Um, but I think for for me, where do you stand on sale in relation to, to some of the other teams? Because I think a huge part of, of this season, I know we, I know there's some unknowns, and I know you know it's hard to, to predict how well you know Exeter and Leicester and Bath are going to perform. But do you think there's a potential that we we should be expecting sale to be a little bit higher in the table this year because some of the other teams around us, you know, perhaps have struggled a little bit. And I, and I pointed to Northampton before, who I think will struggle this season because they've lost a lot of uh, very talented, very interesting players. Um, and I also think Gloucester, again, another team um, who've lost some key players and, and missed out on some interesting transfer targets. I just think, for me, looking at the teams below us, in theory, and looking at the teams that we're supposed to be on, on par with, with that bit of sort of... Uh, Chemistry and you know continuity that you mentioned, Alex, especially at at, uh, at ten and, and in the pack. I think sale. I think top eight has to be the goal this season, in, in my opinion. And I think anything less than that, you know, maybe okay, maybe if we're ninth at the end of the year with you know points off eighth, and then you know you can you can forgive that. But I think I'm just looking at the lay of the land at the moment and thinking, yeah, let's 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 be optimistic. I think sale should be at the very least top eight this season because I think there is a little bit of a gap in mid table that sale should be able to leap into. 
Um, and in my personal opinion, I think if we stayed around 10th and 9th, that, that might even be a little bit of regression. I know it's going to take a while for the clerk and O'Connor to, 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 to bet in. Um, but I think, I think you know, we're actually at the point now where we can uh, realistically be expecting to sort of look onwards. Yeah. yeah. I, go on, go on. Um, yeah, I, I support that in that I think teams like... So Gloucester are a bit of an unknown because they've got um, Ackerman, isn't it? New coach, yeah. who could be brilliant. So I'm not sure about them. Northampton Saints... Although I think they are better than us on paper, on grass they are not better than us because they <laughs> underperform all the time and they've lost and they're probably going to lose a few more players. I don't. I I think we should. We oh I think we could finish above them. I don't think we should, but I think we could. Quins are a bit of again an unknown where sometimes they have a great season and it's their style of rugby. They're sort of in a way the arsenal of rugby and that they can play some amazing stuff we've got some great young players coming through but at the same time they've had some shocking seasons in the past where yeah. it's not come off for them who else so Irish and Worcester <laughs> I do think we're better than I think they've got you know and I think with our with our squad that we've managed to A retain and B we've gone past them Newcastle I'm not sure because they had a really good season last season and I could see them building on it and I think they've they've got the thing with Newcastle is they've always had, like us, such a massive pool of talent in they've got North East, we've got the North West to call on, and I think we're finally starting to see a bit of that come through. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, whether we're I, I mean, we should be better than them. We've got more investment, we've got probably a bit more, you know, maybe a bit more interest, I would, I would think. They've got, I mean, we've both got to compete with football clubs, but yeah, I um, I would, I would. So, on that basis, we should finish sixth. Really, <laughs> um, that's an entirely too logical way to look at it. So, I, th- I think um, that actually, if you look at the signings, the ins and outs, Gloucester have had a really bad rap um, for losing out in the marketplace. You know. Bezic going well actually he wasn't getting picked from about the new year last year anyway he wasn't getting in their team um, and what they've done is you know okay May's gone to, to Leicester but they've got plenty of depth in the back three um, and they've brought the lat Woodward in from Bristol who had a brilliant season and kicked absolutely yeah. everything last year they've brought in they've, they've signed people that we tried to sign uh, Papaba Ruskin who went, has gone there uh, we also tried to sign Ed Slater as well and he has gone there um and Owen Williams, we had a lot of interest in, I think, and he's gone there. And they're going to play uh, a ten-man rugby game with some pace outside. Um, and they've always had talented backs; they've just not won enough balls. So actually, a lot of people are tipping Gloucester's come like tenth or eleventh, and I just I don't see that. Actually, Ackerman's come in, his son's come in, who was absolutely awesome for the Lions as well. Um, and Heinz is an all right is an all right nine. They've got a really great youngster coming through there. So Gloucester again are a bit of an unknown quantity, but if they win enough ball, Owen Williams is going to kick everything, isn't he? So they're not. I think they'll will come back on a winning streak at, at King's home at, at least. Quins, I'm I'm really unsure about Quins because I thought they were going to be rubbish last year, um, and uh, they weren't, and have qualified <laughs> for the Champions Cup because they've got such great youngsters coming through. I mean, Sale and Quins and Saracens, I think, have the three best academies at the moment by quite a considerable distance. So they'll always have the next the next lot coming through that are going to be brilliant big season for people like Clifford um, so it depends I think for Quinns how many call-ups happen because I think when Brown's not there and Care's not there I do think that they, they struggle a little bit 
Um, and if you look at the other ones you're talking about, Newcastle, I actually think that we will finish above Newcastle again. I agree that uh, Vulcans fans have cause for optimism going into the season because they did well last year. They're playing a better brand of rugby. They've signed some good players um, as well. Floods come back home, which is great news for, for, for them. Uh, Maxime Moz as well. You yeah. know, when he was uh, perping on a few years ago, he was like the next big thing and very classy player. Um, so, <coughs> but I do going to finish above them. Saints, you guys are, are, are ripping into them, but uh, I think for them, it's going to be the start of season is going to make or break them, just like with us. And they've got a really like they've got a, a few tough games early doors. They're away at Saracens first match, then at home to Leicester, and then at home to Bath. And if that's two two home games out of the first three, if they lose at home to Leicester and Bath, then it could be a difficult season for them, confidence-wise. Because I think that's their main issue. They've been lacking a bit of confidence. Malander's been under pressure. Start talking about the future of the coach. But if you look at the squad, they are miles better than we are. They've got the England captain. They've got they've got Kieran Brooks and Paul Hill at tight head, uh, who are both England internationals who aren't going to get picked and probably available all year round. We've got Romania's second choice uh, we've got Orlika who's the most yellow carded prop of all time and is 34 and we've got Will Griff John who's some Welsh lad who ended up at Doncaster you know so so you know we've got they could be great but you know come on I think the the cornerstone of that of that Saints pack uh, with Courtney Laws in it and Tamana Harrison who's gone off a bit of radar with England but is an absolute monster um, you know they've signed two they've got two South African nines who are good uh, Piers Francis looked brilliant in uh, for the Blues and in Argentina for England. Ah, oh, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm not sold well. on Piers Francis no, at no. all. You're not Piers? No, okay, well, well. they'll pick Harry Mando, who's, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. just the rubbish, obviously. Um, so, I mean, you know, come on. On paper, their squad is miles better than ours. However, you know, confidence is the big thing in rugby. And if Sale got off to a good start, we could finish above them. I, I appreciate that. Let's talk, let's talk about the start of the season actually because obviously a lot of the points you make are very very sort of sound and it is about getting off to a good start and, and you mentioned it earlier but obviously we have the first five games of the season so Wasps away next Saturday, uh, Newcastle Falcons at home the following Friday, London Irish at home the Friday after, then Saracens away and then Gloucester at home so that's there's five games uh, in the course of sort of four weeks in September. Let, let's 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 sort of break break this out. I think it's pretty pretty simple, but. Can we, you know, should we use these five games as a barometer of where, where Sale are going to be? Because I think in, in the way I look at it, look, you know, that Wasp game is going to be really interesting because if we go, you know, with De Klerk and okay, O'Connor's not going to be available, but, you know, John Ross and Josh Strauss and um, Alexandra Taros and a few of the other players. If we go to, to Wasp and, you know, get beat 40 points to three again, you know, for the third consecutive year running or whatever... Then you know, look. I, I think you know. Then we can all sort of say, okay, it's first game of the season, but you know, this is a little bit worrying. Um, but at the end of the day, a loss to the Premiership finalists from last season isn't isn't a big deal. But you know, looking at those first five games, we've got three very very winnable home games against teams that are going to be in and around us, and a, a tough away game at Saracens. Should we should we be expecting three home wins? Like, should should we be saying you know at the end of September we should have at the very least 12, 12 points? Because I think. I think the way the season works is that if we don't get off to a good start here, we are going to struggle mightily. And I think we've got probably the two most winnable games, perhaps Worcester uh, factors into that, but 
Falklands and Irish at home is probably the two most winnable games we'll get all season. And I think if Sale don't get off to a good start, we could actually be, uh, you know, in a little bit of trouble this season. You know, do, do you do you agree with that, or do you think you know it's going to take because of the nature of the De Klerk and O'Connor signings, we shouldn't be paying too much attention to the start of the season and instead sort of focus on the sort of holistic year-long view? Because I'm kind of worried and kind of excited at the same time. What an opportunity! What an opportunity to get off to a flyer. I agree with you, which is unusual. <laughs> um, but let's go with it anyway. Um, yes, we should win those three home games. Uh, the Wasps game is just a wild card. What we should be, we should be aiming to score four tries. It'll be warm. It'll be hard track at the Rico. Wasps will be throwing it around, trying to score fifty points, which you know they might do. But if we get, we should try and score four tries and just see if we can take away a try bonus point. And if we're lucky, we're within seven. So that's what. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not expecting any points at all, but I'm expecting just to no, no, no pressure. Just go there, fling it around, see what happens. Um, no problem. Um, with the three home games, we should win. Uh, I'm one with one of them with at least with a with a bonus point, I think. Um, and then Saracens away. I mean, all we've got to do there is because I'll be there because I go and watch <laughs> the Dale Saracens game every single year, and every single year I just, I just have to just. I just go to the bar before the game and just have a load of ale uh, <laughs> to make sure that I can get through it. Enjoy it. You know, having a good laugh with the Saris fans. Because um, we have been embarrassed there a few times, yeah. um, to be honest. So I'd just be happy if we go there and just don't make tits out of ourselves. And our defence has looked pretty good in pre-season as well. Um, so, you know, I mean, Saris might know, have a good defence, but so have we. So, <laughs> um, with the Wasps game, I'll be quite interested because, I mean, forgive my ignorance for probably not keeping in touch, so it's more of a question to you two initially, but what have Wasps done in the transfer sort of market Hang other on, I'll than get... lose Kirtley Beal? I'll get, the, I'll get the list up one second. So, I've of the play... I've got it right in front of me. Oh, so have I. Um, the, the, the major sort of signings, Marcus Watson from Newcastle, um, with, you know, even more pace and skill in that back three. Um, and then uh, Wan De Jong from um, the Stormers, who's an inside centre, I think. I think he's uh, been you know, capped a few times for the Springboks. But, yeah, I mean, now, now that you mention it, there really isn't that much that they've done. I mean, there's a, you know, Ben Harris from Newcastle Falcons, Antonio Harris from Nottingham, uh, David Langley from, from Cambridge. You know, I don't, I, you know, these aren't necessarily the, the big names that they've been pulling in in recent seasons. Um, and obviously losing Kurt Beale is, is, is a huge loss. A bit like losing uh, Charles Pietal was. For them, um, yeah, the season before last, obviously, it didn't have that much of an impact in, in hindsight. They're just going to have to make do with Willie LaRue this year. I just don't know how fans are turning up. Because <laughs> it just sounds awful, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, um, in, but yeah, no, I think, you know, Wasps, um, you know, I think are, are pretty good, you know, to, to, you know, to be um, you know, top two again. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think I think Wasps away is going to be an interesting barometer of our season because I think you know in, in the years there where we've been mid table or lower, we've gone and had our you know had our asses handed to us. You know, and I think th- this is the potential to be that sort of like shock away result that we had a few years back away at Gloucester where we won somehow twenty two twenty one or something. I, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, but you know, I, I sort of think you know, like you said, you know, uh, firm ground, nice sunny day. You know, Fafter Clerk, you know. 
running everything, you know, there's a, there's a chance for Sale to make like a proper statement, you know, at the start of the season. And I think, I know I'm going to go into that game hoping that we at least turn up and, yeah, chuck the ball around and play to our strengths, which we don't do. And, you know, we are better set up as an attacking team, yet we play on Friday nights in winter, you know, ho-hum. Um, you know, and I think if we can move the ball around a bit, then it, it could be could be a pretty interesting game. But I've, I've just stepped all over what, what you were saying, Alex. So, sorry, go on. No worries, mate. Um, yeah, I think I, I think that Wasps game is, and don't take this as blind fan optimism, thinking that we're going to finish in the top four. But I think that's winnable. First day of the season, <laughs> I I I don't think we will win it, but I think we should be thinking. I mean, obviously, the team going down there, I think we can win. But as fans, I think there is cause to think we are. We've won two games in preseason. We, I mean, we didn't look amazing, but we've got two wins, which is yeah. you know you can't you can't sniff at that. We've we've got a good core of the team, and wasps haven't really sort of kicked on like you would expect them to, and like we have. So I think that gap's closed. So I think there's an opportunity there for us to maybe shock them. Obviously, now I've said that we're going to get battered by forty points. So <laughs> maybe you know not. what? There's a chink of light, Alex. Um, in that um, they've got a few injuries going into this game. Um, Haskell is out, Sam Jones is out. The biggest one, I think, for them is Tommy Taylor is out. I know we'll say that because we sort of, you know, <laughs> boy. but actually, you know, with Ashley Johnson at two, he's a monster around the park. But with Bryn Jones and Josh Beaumont, and he's not the breast thrower in at the line out. So we, 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 could, we could cause a bit of a problem there. Although when you look at their scrum, um, and the size of their, their pack, even without, you know, their back row is going to be probably Hughes, Guy Thompson, and they might even play like Gaskell. I know he's played uh, pre-season a bit at six as well because they're, they're worried about the injuries in the back row. Um, but it's going to be tough for us. They're, they're just full of, I mean, you said they're not signed massive stars, but the the uh, the, the lover, for Gene. Yeah, he, he's a monster and he can play 12 or 13. I think he might start the season at 13 outside Gopper, who's going to kick everything. Cipriani will start. Their back three is just outrageous as always. Um, I think I think you know we'll we'll do well to get anything out of the out of the game. But there's a chink of light, few injuries, and uh, Ashley Johnson thrown in the lineup. And actually, just wasps overall for the season. I had them down before the beginning of the season as clear favourites because they came second last year. Their main, their focus will be on winning the Premiership. It's difficult to do back-to-back titles, which makes it difficult for Exeter. Saracens have had most of their players out with the Lions and yeah. the road and compete in the Champions Cup as well. So even though I think Saracens might win the Premiership, but they're not going to, I don't think, come top top of the league. Um, I think Wasps are the probably favourites. But Tommy Taylor being out till January, I think that's a, I think that is a big risk for Wasps. Um, and their ability to do well at the line-out. So we'll see how well Ashley Johnson's come on thrown in. There's I think the... another... No, sorry, go on, Alex. Um, the other thing with... Going off at a bit of a tangent, so I'll, I'll be quick, but I saw something on Twitter the other day about Leicester's back line in pre-season. I don't know whether you saw this, but it was Viani at full-back, Tom Brady, Manu Tuolangi, Matt Tamura, Johnny May, George Ford and Ben Youngs. And... <laughs> Like I say, that wasps have sort of snuck under the radar, I'm not doing anything. That Leicester backline is. Can I, mean, I can I just say though, you look at that backline, and the, one of those names isn't quite like the others, in in my opinion. I don't know what what your thoughts on Tom Brady is, don't but they, you he, dare <laughs> say anything about Tom Brady. 
<laughs> I didn't know it was such a sore spot for you. He's the silver fox. I mean, we, we should have never let him go. But... I'm not saying he's a, he's a bad-looking guy. I'm just saying I don't think he's as good as uh, T- uh, Toulouse Vianu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he'd probably accept that as well. <laughs> I mean, anyway. Adam Thompson might come into that, into the reckoning there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not there. They've got Matt Smith as well, who's dependent, and Matt Tate as well. They're both sort of... Um, but... You know, I mean, then again, saying that Tui Lange will get injured. Um, Johnny May runs sideways. George Ford will have a breakdown, and he's got Tamira outside of him, who's Australian, and Australians at the moment aren't having the best time. So, yeah, never mind. Back to you, though. Yeah, association with Leicester winning the league is, is gone within the space of five minutes. I, th- I mean, I, I still think they're, they're probably a top four team this year. I really like some of the signings they've, they've made. But um, let, let's circle back to a few sell things um, that, that we've sort of briefly touched on. Um, first one, uh, pre-season. Like, obviously, so we win away at Cass. We win uh, away at Edinburgh. Um, I I've so, I've sort of watched bits. I, I sort of watched the sort of dodgy Facebook live stream, which, you know, if any sell uh, officials are listening, I did appreciate. It just wasn't very good. Um <laughs> Uh, so yeah, well, I, I sort of I, I tried to sort of like keep an eye on De Klerk and a few other players, but it is very difficult when you're studying the signs, having to manually move a camera around, which I do appreciate. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here. Um, in terms of preseason, as I said, you know, two wins for two, a very interesting win away um, at Cast. Um, should we should we consider this as sort of a sign of things to come, or you know, is this just sort of flash in the pan? Because I know I got a very interesting email from Sale, uh, like the official Sale uh, mailing list the other day, which said uh, something along the lines of, um, "Yeah, no, 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 it's it's just like correspondence." I don't get the press, I, press privileges. No, no, I no, I don't, I don't get, I don't get press releases anymore. <laughs> I think Swanee took me off it after I after uh, I got Stephen Thomas to to let me on it, but um, again, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, Basically, yeah, so I got the, the official like marketing email for the start of the season and it said, um, you know, the boys won, uh, you know, two wins out of two uh, away in France and Scotland. So we're, we're ready to make a, a, a push on the top six or something like that. And I, was just, <laughs> I sort of read the email and I thought, you know, does two wins in pre-season, you know, indicate anything going into the year? You know, should, should we look at it and think, well, so they've actually done pretty well to, to, to win two tough, tough away games, you know. Could this mean an end to our infamously terrible away form, or you know, should we just sort of disregard it and think, you know, this doesn't actually have any any uh, impact on the season? In summary, was it you know, is there anything worthwhile talking about from pre-season? Because in my personal opinion, I don't think I don't think there was. Ben, ben Curry's got you know got 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 some gas. That's that's about it. I think there's a couple of things, isn't there? Like mentally, winning away from home, even if it's pre-season, I think is. I, mean, I can't remember. Players probably don't remember ever doing it, so that's a step in the right direction. Um, other things to take from it, um, I was like, well, thank God we're getting rid of that fluorescent yellow kit. <laughs> and then, oh, actually, no, we're not. We're, we're keeping that one. So that's good. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think. Don't forget, Castro. They've started their season this week, so they were they they should they were a week further and closer to the season than we were, and that was our first first sort of hit out and we played two teams across across the halves um so i think i think winning away in france even pre-season i think is i think it's something to take away i think the other scary thing to take away is there were times in both pre-season games where our scrum got completely i mean it, it wasn't just going backwards i mean it just got completely demolished 
So I do, I do that is a li- that's a little bit of a worry. It's a nagging at me. Having said that, Diamond would have also seen it. So I'm pretty sure that the last three weeks was just spent scrummaging. <laughs> um, so I, I'm hope that you know uh, we we tend to put together a reasonable scrum before the start of a season. Um, but it, I think it looks like we're not going to be dominant in that in that. Um, in that situation you've actually touched upon the other thing I wanted to circle back on which is the scrum um, but b- before we sort of deep dive on that Alex anything from pre-season that's sort of worth mentioning not not hugely I just think the atmosphere around the club having got two wins away for the squad I think and having never been a even remotely professional rugby player wouldn't know but I would think that that would create quite a nice quite a sort of nice good atmosphere among the players you know in that everyone likes to win and if you're coming into the season on the back of two losses having gone over to France gone over to gone up to Edinburgh not having played at home in front of your home fans it just I, I think there's a bit of a um, a mental aspect to the success in pre-season that might come come to play. I mean, we go to Wasps on the back of two wins, looking for a third. So I think there will be, we'll will at least have the belief that we can win. Uh, in terms of the play, I I mean, yeah, I, I saw the scrum go backwards and I saw some blurry images of people <laughs> running over the line. And from the one thing that I thought was that when. I went to the barbecue, the fans' barbecue. Um, oh yeah, of course. Over the summer, um, Dime said that our defence this season. He wants teams to, if they want to score, they have to go round us. They're not going to go through us. And I think you saw in those games that that was fairly evident. I think we've got we've got pretty well set up, and then the attacking play will take care of itself. So. You know, and it, it it confirmed what what they're trying to do in terms of what the, the message I got from from that barbecue in terms of the the sort of vision for the season and how the team plays. But other than that, it's it's too sort of you you can never judge it. But I I don't think it's to be discounted the effect on the players of two wins, not necessarily the effect on our Premiership season, but their mentality going into it. I think that's, that's a really good point, obviously, but. Um, I, Let's talk about the scrum because we, we sort of keep keep sort of dodging it. Um, I am of the opinion that this this is going to make or break sell season because I think we have so much attacking talent. But again, as I mentioned before, I think the decision of the club to play like predominantly Friday nights. Look, I'm not going to get into whole corporate versus standard fan thing because to be honest, it doesn't really interest me. But I do think it does give Sell a bit of a natural disadvantage because our strength typically is throwing the ball around and you know running it back with uh, you know with sort of a bit of flair. And I think the additions of of Charlie, of Solomona, of Addison, uh, of Adogwu, all the sort of players, O'Connor and Declerc, obviously now just further reinforce this idea that we are actually a pretty good attacking team. But obviously, that's that's all well and good. But if your scrum is going backwards at every at uh, you know at every um, you know scrum, um, and if it's really struggling and giving away penalties, this could really cost out because if we can't get the ball out of the back of the scrum and actually feed our most dangerous uh, attacking players, you know this this could really sort of capitulate our season, you know, before it even even really gets starting. And I I want to talk to you a little bit about what so what what do you think is the issue with the scrum? Because I think on paper, I think the back row 
which I imagine is going to be Jono Ross, one of the Currys, and Josh Strauss to start the season. Looks great. I think that's 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 one of the perhaps might be one of the better back rows in the Premiership, and I'm happy to stick them in the account online and say that. I think at second row, if Beaumont has put on the additional weight he needs to, him and Evans, uh, um, James alluded to it before, that's going to be an absolute nightmare for opposite teams to face. You know, in terms of the length, in terms of the athleticism, both of them are pretty like handy ball carriers out in the wide channels, and obviously they're a huge disruption to opposition lineouts. But I look at that front row, Ross Harrison, sturdy, a very steady player and definitely a workhorse, but isn't somebody who's going to move the needle. And I think, although he's gotten better to the point where he's now a premiership standard loose head week in, week out, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, single-handedly demolishing opposition scrums a la Andrew Sheridan. Rob Webber, uh, I thought was one of Sale's best players last season. Um, you know, and I think I'm happy going into the season, you know, for him on the on field to get a majority of minutes. I'm not going to talk about Cameron Neal because let's, uh, let's not go into it. Um, well, I think Neal will start the season at two. There's no doubt about that because I think uh, Jones's throwing in isn't as good as Cameron Neal's and Rob Webber's not played all pre-season. So he's obviously not recovered from his broken arm. Yeah, yeah, but I think over the course of the season, you know, obviously okay. that, 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 that role is still Webber's to lose. So I think, if we, you know, we're looking at it over the entire year but like you said there are some huge question marks at, at, at tight head prop and I, I'm very high on Alexander Taurus I think if you're an international prop for a country like Romania and this also applies to Georgia you've got to be doing something right because those countries are renowned for their scrummaging ability and I think picking up uh, a cheap prop option from one of those countries is actually a really uh, smart bit of business by dimes that could end up being uh, just as good as the Vadim Kobias business um, a few years back. And obviously he went on to become one of the best tight heads in the Premiership, if not the best tight head in the Premiership. Um, but Taras obviously has a bit of development to do. Harley Alika is brilliant in the loose, but you know blows very hot and cold at scrum. Some days unplayable, some days uh, a liability. And I think that's that's a fair you know a fair judgment to make. Um, and then we've got Will Griff-John as well, who I'm told broke the... Um, the club's like deadlifting record set by Andrew Sheridan, you know, fifteen years ago or whatever. So it's clearly he's got some like some you know very obvious like physical gifts. But I wonder, bringing a prop up from the championship, is his technical ability going to be there? And I, I keep looking back at this this tight head position and think, is this where se- Sale's season is going to be is going to be lost? Possibly, it is a complete unknown quantity. I mean, Taras was playing in the second tier in France. Um, and his second choice Romanian tight head, and Wilgriff John was first choice most of the time at Doncaster, uh, a, a good Doncaster side that has been strong up front in that at that level. But again, not tested at the highest level. So, and Orlico is now another year on, so he's 34 now. He hasn't played in pre-season either, so he's obviously been carrying an injury. Um, it's difficult to say whether it will completely fold our season because teams who have weaker scrums and still do all right. Like, you know, the Aussies found ways to do it for years and, uh, you know, Diamond, I'm sure, can put something together. I'm a bit worried about the weight in the second row. I know you said that Beaumont's been putting on weight, but I don't think that Evans or him are going to be grunts in the second row. Actually, in the second pre-season of the game against Edinburgh, things <coughs> got a lot better when Ostrakov came off the bench. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Ostrakov's going to get a lot of game time in the winter months. Um I don't, I don't, I don't agree that it will completely destroy our season before it starts. And it's because it's unknown. I don't think we're going to know until about we get two to three games in. Yeah. Before we can make a good assessment as to where where we are. Okay, Alex. Do you, so going into the season, our tight head position, 
who do, who do you envision being you know being sales like go to to man because if you would you know put yourself in the mindset if you would you know Steve Diamond you know who are you thinking like is going to be the sort of linchpin of, of the scrum because it's such an important position do you, do you stick with the leaker or do you you know perhaps hand over to, to Taros if he's uh, or, or Wilder if John if they've been pressed in, pre, uh, in training you know between pre-season and, and now I think our problem probably is that we've got tight head with a load of strength in Wilgrip John. A tight head with a lot of experience in early and I don't know whether I, I don't want to speak because I haven't seen Tyrus enough, but he's probably got a decent technical ability. And I think what the problem is you can only play one of them at once. So actually what we've got are three tight heads who have all got really good qualities, but um none of whom are sort of I think Cobblas was pretty much the complete package. Yeah, definitely. In terms of his, his basic skills were good enough, and he was a great scrummager, and he could kick a drop goal for a <laughs> over appropriately. So, yeah, I, the, my issue with the scrum is that when you talk about the players who are in the scrum, and you talk about their qualities, Bryn Evans and Josh Beaumont great in the line-out, but that's got nothing, you know, nothing to do with the scrum. Ben Curry great in a rush, but nothing to do with the scrum, and I do think that Flankers and apes have got more of an impact in the scrum than would be apparent. They don't just hang off anymore. They're sort of, they're part of that, part of that mechanism now. So I think, yeah. And then you talk about people's hookers throwings and you know things like that. But when it comes down to the scrum, I don't think we've got many players whose strongest area is the scrum. And I think that might come to come to undo us in terms of. And like James says, it's not going to be the wrecking of our season but we have got a 9 and potentially a 10 in James O'Connor that are much better off front football than they are off back football so if the scrum starts to crumble then what does that do to Factor Clerk and his game style and his game play do you bring in Will Cliff who's probably a better back football player having played at Bristol and Sale in the old days so yeah in terms I've completely not answered your original question um (laughs) Ideally, I'd go with Ali Laker if he was fit, but since he isn't, oh, we're assuming he isn't, I'd probably say um, Taras, because I just think, I think Will Griff John off the bench could be, he's got strength, he could be a good impact um, impact player, so yeah, I'd, I'm not sure. I'd, I mean, I wouldn't, well, I would quite like to be in a nice position, it'd be quite fun, but in terms of this selection issue, yeah, I just, we we're lacking some that's I've sort of come to my own point that we haven't got really anyone whose strongest position is the scrum yeah therefore that's probably why we're quite we might be weak in that area this season I think this will be an interesting discussion to circle back on this time next week when we've had that Wasp game and we can see how the scrum fares with what uh, two of you know John Alika and um um, uh, Taurus, you know, and we can sort of compare how they went on. Last thing I want to say about tight heads. Um, do you see that Kieran Kieran Parker has gone to Munster? That was a bit of a bit of a surprise in that. Uh, I mean, no disrespect to him, I, I'm just quite surprised it was Munster. Um, I, I sort of envisioned him sort of dropping down to the championship. He can obviously clearly play, um, you know, a decent game, um, but perhaps hasn't progressed as much as say, the sale brass wanted to. Um, but I was very surprised that Munster picked him up, and uh, I hope uh, hope Razi Erasmus hasn't seen something that uh, that uh, Steve Diamond hasn't, and we it's another one that we let slip away. But I don't know. Well, he, he, word was that he did turn down an offer from Sale. Uh, mm. 
did play a couple of years back and and, and was useful, um, but he just hasn't pushed on, has he? Um, yeah. But but apparently he is is uh, Irish qualified, so he's been taking on like a year's development contract, essentially like a senior academy thing. So we'll see if he gets taken on as a put on a permanent contract after yeah. a year to see whether there is potential there for him to develop in the Irish system. I wish him all the best. Yeah, that's some superb analysis. That's something uh, even I hadn't heard about Parker turning down an offer. But there we go. So we're yeah, we're we're a proper team, a proper scrum, as it were. Um, let's talk about something a little bit more exciting though. Um, going into next season, you know, regardless of whether we finish first or twelfth, who sells most important player? Like, let, let, let's just put that out there. You know, who do you think is is most pivotal to sell success? I don't have an answer for this, or at least I've not thought of one. So I'm interested to hear what you guys have, uh, what you guys can think of. I also don't have an answer, and James has just thrown to me because I assume he doesn't have an answer either. So let's let's talk this through in my head. Um, in terms of most important player for the season, I am gonna guess, um, but I think. So not in terms of impact, but most important player probably Bryn Evans. I think if if I just think his his quality, if he can if he can run the line out like he did, hopefully. I mean, I know Josh Beaumont has played second row, but if if he can sort of partner Beaumont and Evans is clearly a really experienced second row. He's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. So if he can impart some of that wisdom to Josh Beaumont, he's a good leader. He's got great skills. He's he's Kiwi, isn't he? So. Yeah, likes winning. Two caps. Um, um, so, you know, I yeah, I'm, that's going to be my hastily pulled together <laughs> um, pick for most important player, and it'll probably be right now because I've just pulled it as a guess. <laughs> well, you gave me a bit of time to think. <laughs> no, I think for me it is James O'Connor because I think he's the one that has in his in his gift. To take us from being ninth or tenth to sixth or seventh, because if he comes through at ten, like Diamond says he's going to play him there, and O'Connor wants to play there again, completely unknown quantity. Really, he's not played ten for a long time, but he's just he's got that Cipriani thing about him. He can create stuff, he can do stuff. If his percentages at goal are good, or Addison takes up the kicking and his percentages are all right, then I think that his extra ability above McGinty's from last year is a, could be the difference between his ninth and sixth. So for me, it's O'Connor. Uh, I'd love to be contrary to your opinions, James. Um, my uh, pick that I've now thought about, um, okay. I think it's... Okay. Uh, no, it's uh, Mark Jones. Okay. <laughs> no, um, I, I genuinely think this could be a massive season for AJ McGinty. And I think, much in the same way that you sort of said about, like, you know, a bit of consistency at one of the most important positions, you know, could be huge for O'Connor and Sale. I think if McGinty, because, I mean, McGinty got sort of dragged through the mud a little bit last year. I think we can all agree on that. It wasn't an ideal first season for him. But the glimpses he he sort of showed uh, in the last sort of few months really sort of got me excited again about, about his potential as a player. And I think... Look, we said we don't know. O'Connor is an unknown quantity. You know, he might be the, the Premiership's best time next year, or he might, you know, be, you know, below average and find that he's a better, you know, uh, inside centre. You know, by you know by any chance. Um, but basically, I my opinion is that I think if Adrian McGinty can get off a good start to the season, we you know he's a pretty strong goal kicker. I think he actually averaged above eighty percent last year, uh, which is in the top sort of half of the Premiership. Uh, I think if he can get off to a good start, if he can bring the backs into the game, if he can control the game in the way that we sort of saw him do uh, a little bit more towards the end of the season, I think 
McGinty is sort of I, I agree O'Connor's the, the better player he can he can take sales to the next level but I have a feeling that if McGinty can offer you consistency at, at 10 you know for 60 minutes a game you know week in week out that gives Sale a much higher sort of um, uh, floor like you know a much higher sort of platform to compete on because I think if McGinty struggles and O'Connor comes in and he's forced to sort of play play saviour that's when you're going to see Sale sort of struggling in sort of 10th 11th 12th position whereas I think if McGinty can come in and just can give, just give you a, a solid basis to, to work from you know and kick you know 15 points to, to scrap a win away at you know Bath or someone like that that's the sort of thing that's going to push Sale to the next level and that's when you can bring in the likes of De Klerk and O'Connor those game changing players who in tandem with the sort of steady presence of McGinty could really push push Sale onwards um, so yeah I'm, I'm going to go with Adrian McGinty who I think has I, we've not seen the best of it with a Sale shirt and I think you know, there's, there's just a few sort of glimpses. You know, some of these crossfield kicks to Dennis Holmemoner and, and, and a few other things. That I think you know he could be a really special player for Sale if, if everything sort of works out his way and he gets, you know, he gets um, you, you, the right amount of trust sort of, of, of put into him. But again, yeah, that could easily be undermined if if O'Connor gets a starting time. I'd absolutely love it for for McGinty to have a smashing season. He deserves it. He puts his body on the line. He's a great team player. And he did get better towards the end of last season. He's one of the good guys. You want it. I, I, I definitely agree. I want it to do well. I think with so come out to my own another point of view, but possibly your two picks in that when you're down up in Newcastle in December, and I know we're not, I don't think, but if you are in a horrible away game in the rain. In the winter, you're on, you know, your scrappy ball. You, you, no one's catching anything. You probably rather have McGinty, and then you get a flat track in summertime, and you have O'Connor. And I think it's the first. It's probably going to be the first time in quite a while that we've had two very different and quality options at ten. Because for a long time we had Sippers who great front foot summertime, but took a while to adjust to playing in the winter and by the time he left us he was he was very good at that his game management he got a lot better but you know and then before that we had Nick McLeod who's a really good squad player but not not I don't I think AJ McGinty is probably a better player than McLeod was I would hope so God yeah bang bang average Uh, well you need you need he wasn't you need those players you need he, he could kick yeah, no, very. That is very true. I I still have nightmares. I don't know if you guys guys remember uh, Daniel Larashea. Daniel Larashea, remember that cross he did where he kicked it out and we lost the game. Were you at that game at Edgley Park, right in the main stand? I don't. We were five meters away from the line, and we needed a try to win it, and he got it at ten. And to be fair to Larashea, he came in as a fullback, and I can't remember who it was played him at ten. Was it San Andre still? Anyway, possibly, yeah, yeah. It was the, the season back. after the title winning yeah. season. Yeah, he had six men to his right, and he put a cross kick. Do you remember the um, the corner between the main? So where well, you had the, the big print stand stand, and then the main stand where the players came out, and there was some yeah, yeah. payment, and then some houses behind it. I'm pretty sure it went through to those houses. It was just <laughs> the most horrendous kick. And I remember everyone in the ground just going, "Oh," and it stuck with me. The, the so, one, the, the one Larachea sort of low light that stuck with me. I can't remember who it was, um, uh, who we were sort of playing, but basically he sort of he tracks this sort of like rubber kick through, um, and it's sort of on sort of sales trial line. It's bobbling, it's a bit wet, etc. It basically he picks it up, 
Uh, he goes to do a clearance kick, drops it, knocks it backwards onto the try line, uh, into the try area, scrambles to recover it, <laughs> picks it up again, drops it, and then the opposing player came in and, and sort of like touched it down for, for probably the easiest try they've ever scored. I can't remember who it was against, um, but that, that one, out of everything at Edgley Park, is just embedded into my memory. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose as long as AJ McGinty doesn't turn into Daniel Larachea uh, this season, uh, we might uh, we, you know we might avoid relegation. I think that's probably the the, the most important takeaway. <laughs> um, sorry, is there anything else you wanted to say before I uh, after I went on my Larachea round? I'll bring back Mike Hercus. That's what I say. I I, I just think if, rather than player, clearly the pack is going to be where the season's won and lost. We focus on the scrum and tight head, but it's just generally the pack, isn't it? Yeah, we've got to win enough ball. If we do, that's where O'Connor can take us to the next level. If we don't, we don't win enough ball and we're on the back foot and the clerk and O'Connor going backwards, then I, then that is that is going to be a, you know, that's going to be difficult. So hopefully we, we've got big ball carries with Strauss and Ross and the Curries, um, and hopefully you know we can get over that gain line. So let, let's let's talk. Um... We we talked about the most important player for the, for the team this year, or most important eight players, as, as it were. James, um, who's the, who's the most exciting player? Who, who's the player that you can't wait to sort of see pull on that sailor shirt and and you know run around a field for eight minutes and you know playing playing uh, play rugby? Because I mean, I I've got like three answers, and this is this is in my opinion the best uh, indicator of sales ambition yet. In that there are some players that we signed that a I knew before, you know, I didn't have to hastily you know look up when they played for Bay of Plenty or whatever in um, uh, in New Zealand or whatever. Um, there are some players that I've heard of, and I'm excited to come and see. It's players who I know about, and I know what they're going to bring to the team. Um, obviously, you can probably guess from 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 my, uh, my reaction who those might be but who, who are you most excited to see play and it, it, it could be literally anyone if you're excited to see Will John play you know, please please say I'm excited about seeing the Currys play we're another year on in their development and I, I, they're just they're such a joy to watch because they just absolutely bloody love playing rugby can't get enough of it um, and so it's quite infectious isn't it so I'm really looking forward to seeing them I know you'll, you'll speak about you know, Fatal Clip for the next hour and a half, so there's no point But yeah, they're the, the, the Curries for me, and Josh Charnley uh, is the other one I'm most excited about, uh, just because I think it's a bit of a make or break year for him. He might not start the season as first choice because I think McGuigan is in possession of the, the shirt. Yeah, definitely. Um, but he will get his chance, and we know what he can do in rugby league. And I just really, really hope he just gets some confidence and gets a couple of early tries because that lad is is a talent and I'd love for him to get on front football and just score loads of tries yeah I absolutely agree with James um, I'd probably also I'm quite looking forward to seeing uh, it's similar theme to the Currys fully fit Will Addison taking his career to the next stage as club captain that will be hopefully uh, just he hopefully he can do what he's always been able to do and do it all season without his leg or whatever. Um, you two are going to laugh at me for this. I'm quite excited, excited to see Mark Jones back. Oh, I just for God's sake. He's just a good player. He's just a proper... Like, if you need someone to take the ball into five players and retain it, Mark Jones will do that for you. He's just a, he's great around the field. And I know his, his line-out is mixed. Um, and I <laughs> yeah. can't speak for scrummaging because... 
don't pretend to be an expert on the scrum, but I just think he's playing the loose, it's quite exciting, he's a good lad to have around the club. So, And yeah. his defending around the fringes is going to be key to our new way of defending. I mean, he, yeah. he chops you know below the knee and he's a die-hard defender. So I, I do agree, Like I'm excited about seeing both him and Wycliffe back in a in a sale shirt and what pissed about I think you know actually Cliff came on and played brilliantly against Edinburgh Fatima did a couple of amazing things and a couple of awful things watching Fatima this year is going to be absolute value for money no question but I do think that that, um, that Will's pass is you know if you're James O'Connor and you're outside that that's going to make a difference so yeah, um, I, I, like you said, you, you know I'm going to say after Clerk. I, I, I've never been more excited to see um, a player put on, put on a sell shirt. And I think, I mean, we forget because um, I've, I've spoken before about how I think Sale are built to play attacking rugby. And I think the composition of the squad uh, indicates that we should be, you know, our strength is attacking rugby and throwing the ball around. And, you know, sometimes it's okay, you know, to, to, to scrum hard and play, play tight and in close, especially in the winter months. But I think Sale... You know, could be a, a sort of you know the, the best way possible, like a Gloucester-esque team who you know who or Harlequins who can just run around and throw the ball and offload uh, and really sort of rack up rack up some points. And I think the clerk is just going to be so so integral to that. And I think he gets he gets a really he's had a really bad rap off a few fans already who suggest he isn't Springbok material because you know Ross Cronje started for them um, in the last sort of six months. But again, I've I've, I've heard that's. You know, his omission was partly because he'd said, "Look, I'm going to Europe," um, and I just think, I mean, we forget because Peter, Peter Stringer is, is superb, and I think it's a crying shame that he's at Worcester now and not, and not Sale. And I think Mike Phillips eventually came good after a very sort of tough start to the season. But when was the last time? And it depends how highly you rate Chris Cossetter and Dwayne Peel, I suppose. But when was the last time we had a genuine difference maker at scrum half? Because for me, I think it's been at least four or five seasons since we've had someone who can win a game from that scrum half position. And I think I've spent the last few years looking at Danny Kerr at Harlequins, looking at someone like Richard Wigglesworth or, or Ben Spencer at, at Saracens, um, you know, Ben Youngs, um, Reese Webb. You know, some, some of these players who are it's such an important position and do all the basics really well and manage the game superbly, but they can make a try out of nothing and, and give the team a little bit of a push. You know when when they're struggling, when you know when they are on back football or whatever, and I think De Klerk brings exactly what Sale have been missing in that position for the last few years. And that's why I can't wait to see him take the field because I think, you know, when when going gets tough, if McGinty or O'Connor's not having a tough game, and you know Solomon and Charlie can't seem to you know keep the ball in play or, or or whatever, you know, having someone who can just nip around the fringes, you know, run straight past two or three defenders and then find someone you know uh, for for an easy run, I think that could be huge for Sale season and, and sort of speaks. Against the speaks volumes about how I think Sale could end up um, end up performing this season if they get the right sort of balance and you know are able to compete away from home and you know beat the teams that that, that we should do. Um, I'm I'm going to stop myself because I can just talk <laughs> you know about the clerk you know all, all game all game long. Um, I'm going to start timing you from podcasts <laughs> on to the season. Yeah. Time. You don't you don't even need us on this podcast. You just sort of <laughs> yeah. you know, item one on the agenda fact the and then just stop the podcast after a couple of hours and put it out there. <laughs> well, yeah, well we'll we'll, we'll see exactly how why uh... he's brought us on board, James. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. It's the sales charts podcast rather than the Fafty Clerk. 
Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how highly I still think of him after Wasp. If he has a bit of a shocker, perhaps will. Uh, perhaps I'll be, you know, singing the praises of Will Cliff instead. But, but we'll see. I think he would start the game at Wasp with the clerk, though, because you, as I said, I think we've got to go out and try and score four. Tries. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I think Will uh, Cliff will play a really important part this season, though. Absolutely. I mean, we've got two senior scrum halves. He's going to be absolutely essential to us this year. Um, he's going to get a lot of game time. He's, his kicking game is brilliant. That's weakness in the Clerks game. Yeah. Um, and you look at what, what uh, Wigglesworth does at, at, uh, at Saracens, um, and having a world class kicking game is is just so important in the modern game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think now that now that we have you know confirmed the Clerk and you know, made the signing and all that sort of stuff, I think that World Cliff signing does look so much better in retrospect. Because I think for a long time there was an indicate you know a suggestion that oh. You know, he's become available at Bristol. Maybe you know he'll be, you know, can be come back and be our number nine again, as he, you know, could have been five years ago, or whatever. And you know, that's when I wasn't sold on sort of, um, you know, sort of World Cliff coming back. But now that we've got someone who's so different to him in terms of uh, play, I think it's going to be a really, really nice sort of match, uh, match up for next season. Um, let's revert back to some sort of pessimism because I think we said there are a lot of unknowns in this team, and there are you know, like you know, furies for concern. Do you have anyone that's been like a bit of a bust this season? Like, who do who do you think you know might might sort of underperform? You know, we we said who's going to be important and who's going to be the most exciting to watch. Is there anyone that you're sort of looking at the squad and thinking they're not going to be able to handle? You know, the expectations that are put on them. Or I mean, Fafter Clerk can't. You know, given that uh, I, I talk so highly about him each week, but you know, you know, the poor bloke has to you know would have to save sort of a, a child's life in the stand each games to, to match up to my expectations. But um like is there anyone you you're looking at and thinking, you know, maybe we should have strengthened that area because player X isn't gonna be able to do well enough there on his own or, you know, someone who might fight to deceive a little bit, you know. There's a lot of talk about internal cohesion, but you know, where where are the weak links in, in sales squad? Um is this another one where well, I've sort of... In terms of positionally, I do think we're, 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 we've got unknown quantities at 3, 10, and maybe a bit short on bodies in the second row. But in terms of individuals, I don't want to put any downers really on, on individuals for the start of the season. Clearly, though, it's like a make or break in some ways for Beaumont and Haley in terms of England recognition and whether they can go on the, to, the, to the next level. And for Charnley, about whether rugby union is, is going to work out for him. So... Through massive seasons for Beaumont, Haley, and Charnley, and in terms of positionally, you know, let's just pray to the recruitment of <laughs> the recruitment uh, gods. What we're talking about my work coming out in the podcast now. This is terrible. Um, but it's the rugby gods in terms of uh, three, ten, and hope we don't pick up many injuries at second row and nine. I think I'd agree, especially on so the first name that popped to my head when you said that was, and it's not a player who. Um, I don't. I think will underperform, but I think Mike Haley has had a lot of time at fullback without a lot of competition. And if we are signing O'Connor as a ten, as we have been relentlessly informed, um, then he still goes in without a real. So McGuigan can play fullback, but is a you know wing come fullback. He's not. He's not someone putting the pressure on Haley. And I think I've I've had people say that to me that Haley's sort of development has probably not been helped by the fact that he hasn't had someone else there to take the shirt off him if he yeah. has a bad game. Um, so I I mean, when you sign O'Connor, you think oh that'll you know 
that will that will push him on to be a better player. And it's not a it's not an underperforming thing. It's just players become better players through having competition and having to you know that stress of of earning back shirt or not losing the shirt or whatever. And we haven't really got if if Mike Haley goes gets injured, we haven't really got a out and out fullback who's there to go and claim the shirt. We've got people who can do a job. Yeah. So that's probably well, my well, only thing. Connor, who's best position, proven position, I think, is, is fullback. <laughs> in terms I wouldn't... of, like... No, just in yeah. terms of proven, like, he, he is international class, no doubt, as a fullback, in my opinion. He's got a kicking game. He's, he's good under the high ball. He's played most of his rugby at 15. At 15 and he's brilliant there for Irish a couple of, a couple of years ago. Um, but I don't think he's going to get game time there unless like there is a serious injury to, to Hayley um, yeah. but absolutely I mean I just think I just really really hope that this season someone has put an extra three inches on Hayley's boots in terms of his studs because <laughs> he spent most of his time just falling over and, and it's just so frustrating because he's the opposite he sees the space and then <laughs> legs don't get him there because he's sliding all over the show. It's the Friday nights doesn't help Hayley for sure because it does get sliffy on the foot there in the winter. I think that uh, that ailment has been classified as Will Addison syndrome uh, because he's uh, he's another one who's guilty of of, of it. Um, yeah, no, I think you made some really good points about, about Josh Bowman and Mike Haley, and you sort of look at some of these eighteen-year-olds that are now being picked, you know, for for, for England, you know. Corey's have been one of them. Um, the uh, I, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. The uh, Nigerian, the Nigerian. Um, Cotton singer. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, there's um, the Fijian Joe or whatever he was, whatever he's sort of been nicknamed by his teammates. That's the one at London Irish, the winger. Um, no, it's Nick uh, Izueki or something like uh, that. Yeah, who yeah, plays for Saracens. Yeah. Yeah. I think Saracen. he's. Brilliant. Yeah, I think I, th- he, I think he he's yeah, yeah. Um, but you sort of look at some of these players coming through, and you think, you know, if you're Josh Bowman or Mike Haley, who've had a kind of been in around the England training camp, you're sort of pushing on a little bit now. Twenty three, twenty four. You know, I mean, it seems ridiculous to say twenty four, and you, you know, you're not going to be able to play for England. But you do sort of sort, sort of wonder that unless there's a huge uptick in performances, you know, is an international career on the horizon uh, I just want to add on um, I think James mentioned it before Josh Charlie big big season for him um, I think there is potential there I think he, you know, he's, he's pacey and he's strong and he's certainly got um, attacking sort of potentials you know in spades but uh, you know watching him last season the big question marks about his defence um, we know without the sort of Solomona-esque results to sort of justify um, you know his, uh, his his inclusion, and I think you know switching to Byron McGuigan, you know, uh, you know midway through the season was definitely the right move. And you know Charlie might come in now and you know be the sort of superstar cross co talent you know that we all think he might be. But I think this is a big season. I think another difficult season if he can't displace Byron McGuigan or whomever else we, we may bring in. More on that in a second. Um, you know, I think you know we we could easily see Charlie go back to, to you know to Wigan and, and rugby league, you know, and, and say you know it just didn't really work out for me in um, uh, in, in Union. Um, but yeah, okay. So I've just I've just alluded to it now. So a little bit about transfers. So who's this Virgin Winger we're signing? I've, I've no said idea. it before. Um, Nadola from wherever he is, <laughs> Montpellier. It's it's got to be true. He's just appeared on Rugby Dungeon. He's Fijian. He's international. It can only be, and therefore I'm going to be eternally disappointed. <laughs> never heard of and can't pronounce. So um, I've I've no my knowledge of Fijian wingers. 
limited to one. Yeah. He's <laughs> just used it. So here's what I know about this this mystery for Gene Winger. Um, apparently, a very difficult name to pronounce because the, the the sort of source I had said I don't know. You know, he wasn't able to give me a name. Um, apparently, so apparently he's an international winger, um, according to Diamond. But remember, he also did say you know Bryn Evans was uh, was uh, you know a, a, an All Black, which is technically true. But he had two caps six years after we signed him, so it's a bit you know. Um, he's a bit fast and loose with the word international and what I've been told is that don't expect Nadolo unfortunately it's going to be a squad player it's going to be someone um, who can sort of provide a bit of depth um, and obviously on the wings apparently um, the sale brass were disappointed with the dog roost summer um, I don't know whether or not that's a discipline thing or fitness um, but apparently they were just looking for someone to show, um, show the sort of reserve back line up um, a little bit more, especially as well. You know, we said about Mike Haley needing a bit of competition. If McGregor gets even more time at 15, then obviously that leaves a bit more of a space uh, on the wings. But I've told sort of early to mid 20s, apparently international, going to be a squad player. I I can see with, with the sort of thing about a dog room and, and maybe McGregor, and I can kind of see the rationale, but it, it just seems like it's a bit unnecessary. And especially because apparently we're still looking uh, a second row. Uh, and uh, a loose head prop. I've been told we've been looking a lot in South Africa um, because of you know the weak round uh, and a lot of sort of turmoil there in terms of like you know obviously teams moving continents you know and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I've also told we've been looking at Springbok or Bok players uh, who are currently in the Japanese top league. Um, and we also had a bit of a sniff around Australia as well. That's unfortunately all I can give because a lot of people ask me about this. That's all I can give about lock and prop because that's all I know. And apparently, like I said, we're getting a, a Fijian squad winger. But do, I mean, do you guys have any thoughts on this? You know, obviously it's, it's it's rare that we turn down signing a new player. But you know, what do you think this sort of suggests about how Sale are sort of happy about that battling going into next season? Because an addition this late is a bit sort of worrying. I think. My dog who did pick, he did uh, dislocate his shoulder in the in the seven, so there might be he might be out for longer than we know. But it does strike me as a little bit odd. We know we're running a small squad and trying to keep everybody fit. We know that we're worried about depth behind Harrison at loose head um, and depth in the at scrum half and at lock. It just seems it seems to me a bit a little bit odd when we know that we've got four senior wingers who are of good quality. We know we've got Aaron coming through the academy who looks like a quite a special player playing under 18s, probably playing under 20s this year, a year young. Um, and also we know that Addison could do a job on the wing. We know that O'Connor can, has played loads of international rugby on the wing. Um, we know Jennings has covered the wing as, as well. So it just seems to me a little bit of an odd an odd thing to do, really. Although Solomon, interestingly, did get some um, game time in the centre in the... Uh, in the pre-seasons they obviously want to just say look O'Connor you're playing 10 that's where you're training Addison you're playing 13 that's where you're training you know and this pre-season thing of having to put Jennings on the wing to cover us 15 minutes we just don't want to do that we need extra cover look yeah. I, in the end with, with signings I always question them but when it comes down to it I do trust Steve Diamond he knows his squad he knows the fitness of the squads he knows who which youngsters he's ready to throw in he's never usually shy on it so there must be a reason and I you know whatever I just remembered and I didn't tell either of you this but when um, they were doing the training session um, Aaron Reed was playing on the wing 
um, as one of the attacking team, which was most of the first team. So I think they clearly rate him. I, I mean, obviously he'll be a LV Cup or whatever it is now, and maybe you know, maybe even some Europe European games, depending on how seriously we take that competition. But um, yeah, it's it's a, it's sort of it's a strange one. It must be because we're having this position. You are in your position, James. I think I think there must be a bit in O'Connor's contract that says if I don't play at ten, I don't play at all, and I walk yeah. out of the club with no because they they everyone O'Connor Diamond Orange Mason just been like yeah he's playing ten he's not playing anywhere else so um, it's it's. It's not the end of the world. I mean, it, I would have preferred a, a lock or a prop, but it, you know, like you say, James, the re- the reason we haven't got a lock or a prop is because either we can't find one good enough, or the other diamond lights or whatever, or that we haven't can't pay for one, and we can pay for one, so it must be that we just <laughs> haven't found that enough to stand it, which is fine. And part of part of the thing that also is, I do think. Diamond puts a lot of emphasis on sort of team morale, so that's probably another thing that maybe teams like Wasp aren't as bothered about, where they'll just bring in the best player. Whereas I think when Diamond brings in players, he wants them to be able to fit in with the squad and have and buy into our sort of mentality as that little northern upstart that's going up to you know shock everyone. We're always underestimated. He's a bit of a Mourinho, isn't he? He's sort of you know yeah yeah definitely. So um, I've gone completely off topic, but yeah, I'm, if if Fijian wingers are always exciting, so I'm sh- I'm sure it'll be. And if it's a squad player and he's been around for a while and he can teach Solomon and Charlie the intricacies of rugby union defending, then all the better for it. So um, that's partly a joke, but also partly <laughs> you know, it would be it it'd be you know. Have an ex another experienced winger to kind of say to Solomon and Charlie, defend this is what you do because their attacking talent is, you know, unquestionable. So, yeah, okay, fine. not well, not super excited, but fine. Yeah, okay, so this is supposed to be a season preview podcast, so I'm just going to fire a few things out so we can sort of adhere to that that label that's going to be going out on the podcast. Um, top try scorer this season for sale. Who have we got? Gotta be Benny. Yeah, I think it's gotta be Solomon. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely fine. I'd I'd say the same. Uh, Top point scorer in terms of it'd be kicking. Who's you know who's going to be taking the majority of the kicks? Um, McGinty for me. Will Addison. Okay. He's going to score a few tries, and I think he might just end up taking ownership as captain of kicking a goal. Okay. Yeah, no, that's... that's, that's the that's, old school rugby captain <laughs> when you're under 12s. Yeah, yeah I'm kicking a goal. Yeah, I think he, if, if someone just misses a couple of early kicks, I think he's just going to be like, sorry, lads, move aside. I'll take it. Because he's just somebody who wants to be involved all the time. So. Okay. Uh, I know none of us probably care about this. Uh, LV Cup finish. Where, where does Sale do? How, how are the Sale doing the LV Cup? Disappointing semi-final loss for me. I think we could get to the semi-final in the, in the Anglo-Welsh. And yeah. then do anything with it, or <laughs> no? I, I, no, I, I don't. I don't think. No, I don't, I don't think we'll get to the final. But you just never know. But I think we could have a good run. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and in a similar vein, Challenge Cup, like th- this one's a little bit more important, I think, in in, in, in general. Um, where, where do you see where do you see Sale finishing? We, we, we can sort of do a little bit more of a preview for that when the uh, the, the the pool stage games start uh, in October. Um, but on the face of things, knowing what we know about the team and the Premiership and everything else, you know, where do you think Sale finish? I, I think we'll struggle to get out of the group, actually. Um, it, it's it, and, I, and I don't think I just think we've got to prioritise the Premiership, and you know I think it's an advantage that we don't have to kill all our players like we did last year. In the Challenge Cup, um, Champions Cup, Leon. The, sorry, the, Champions sorry, Cup. Challenge yeah, yeah, yeah. Cup. yeah, yeah. I wish it was the Champions Cup, um, but we've got Leon in our group, haven't we? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I, I think they are going to get in the playoffs in France this year. Um, and actually, they've won <coughs> today. They won yesterday. Didn't they beat Stade Francais um, away from home, which doesn't happen very often in French rugby? And I think of like the, the sort of. Uh, could be the bolters in, in French rugby, so I, I think we will struggle to get out of the group in the in the Challenge Cup. But I don't think we'll be that bothered. Yeah. I think we've got to, we we should be competitive. We shouldn't be putting out like completely joker teams. But I think it's a good opportunity to sort of bed in the plays, rotate the squad. Um, people like James Flynn will, will will play, and I think Harrison should take a break. Things like that. But uh, yeah, I don't think we'll get out of the group. It's probably a good time for O'Connor to come in and get some proper game time as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I do agree with you, James, that there were two... Really, we want to be in the Champions Cup next season. That's that's clear. And in terms of signings, we need to you know, aim for that. And there are two ways to do that. You can either try and win the Challenge Cup, which is really hard, or you can try and get in the top six in the Premiership, which is comparatively easy. So... If I was um, Steve Diamond and Simon Orange, etc., I would just be saying, right, let's get in the top six in the Premiership. Challenge Cup is... Because, you know, as much as it would be nice to win a trophy, I'd 100% rather us go out in the group stages at the Challenge Cup and finish in the top six. Compared to... I don't know whether other people would disagree with that, but, yeah. I think it, I think it depends on where you finish in the Premiership. Like, if, if you offered me... An eighth place finish in the Premiership and a Challenge Cup win. I'd definitely take the Challenge Cup win. I, I really hope Sale Sale do do well in this competition because because for nothing else we talked about team morale and and momentum and stuff. You know if you can get on a bit of a run there and you know play a couple of games in France on a, on a big stage and that sort of thing, I think it would be good. You know for building um, the sort of club's brand a little bit. You know also or should I say rebuilding the club's brand after a couple of years where we've sort of been uh, also runs in in, in in some of the bigger European competitions. Um, okay, a couple more questions so for you. Just go back to that. You know, I know what I've, what I've said, but I've just had to look at the actual fixtures. And actually, you know, sometimes the French teams don't prioritise the Challenge Cup, do they? No, um, no. If Leon are doing well in the top 14, which is a brutal competition, um, we play Toulouse at home first. So the French aren't don't travel well sometimes, so you'd expect us to win that. Then we go away to Lyon, and if they're not prioritising the Challenge Cup either, and we sneak, we get something over there. Then we're at home against, you know, Cardiff. Who are, you know, I'm not sure about the Cardiff team. They've had to let a few players go. They've got some financial issues. Um, so you never know. Again, it's it's about momentum, isn't it, and confidence. And uh, you, you just never know. But I do think that in a, it's, in some ways, this looks like a Champions Cup group. Yeah. You know, Toulouse and Cardiff. You know, these are big big European clubs um, who won't, won't want to embarrass themselves. So I do think it's going to be tricky for us. 
But if we do get through, Bilbao 2018 in May will be lovely. So, yeah. Perhaps we could do a live podcast. I was going to say, <laughs> we're taking this on the road. I mean, uh, yeah, I think I think we can all agree that if uh, Sale make it to the Challenge Cup final, we, we definitely have to go. I, I, I couldn't miss that. Especially Bill Bass. It's supposed to be very nice. It's possible I might, that might be on my wedding weekend, so I don't think I'd be able to come. So um, we're gonna have to. So we're gonna have to live podcast at your wedding instead. <laughs> Even getting the game on might be a little bit tricky. Who knows? <laughs> you just have to. Yeah. Okay. I think. I think live feeding it in the church might be. That's that too far. A, yeah, a bit of a risk. Would you not be able to step out for twenty minutes during the reception <laughs> and, and talk to me about Father <laughs> Clerk? Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, a couple, couple more questions. Um, biggest, who, who's going to be the biggest sort of surprise player for sale this season? You know, good, good or bad? Who, who, who you sort of got your eye on and think you know a little bit under the radar, but you know they could end up having a big impact. I know it's very similar to some of the other questions I've asked, but um, just in terms of sort of people people coming through, I know you said sort of someone like Aaron Reed. Um, I'm personally quite high on John O'Ross I think he's going to could end up having a really big impact he's, look he's not as flashy as, as, as Josh Strauss or James O'Connor or whomever else and I think in the in the scheme of things him uh, he might just become a squad player like, like TJ Iwani uh, but to be honest I think if we can get a squad player of the calibre of someone like John O'Ross I think I'm very excited I think he could end up having a bigger impact than someone like Josh Strauss uh, especially on sales pack uh, especially because obviously Strauss might be a bit away of Scotland, but is there anyone like like that? Someone you just sort of think could be a bit of a, you know, for people who don't follow Sale week in week out, who's gonna uh, who's who's gonna really sort of stand out when we travel down to King's Home or Sandy Park or wherever? Um, James has passed me again because he can't think of an answer. <laughs> you have an answer this time. Go on, you you go then because I'm, I'm okay. thinking. I, I agree on John Ross. I think he's our vice captain this year. I don't. I, I, really? really? Been announced, but I bet you he is. And. Um, he will captain sale a few times because Will Allison, you know, just struggles a bit with injuries. Um, but uh, so John Ross, I absolutely agree with you. And then the other one um, that I think is always massively underrated at sale that will play a really key role this year will be Mark Jennings, just because again, I think getting over the gain line in the winter, I think it's just, he just if he can stay fit, I think he'll just play, be a key cog in in our machine, just like Brad Barrett is for Saracens, etc. I'm still thinking. I'm, I, so not to reuse an answer, but I do think Mark Jones will impress. Um, if you talk about, I think, and again for us, we'll probably look at it week in and week out and go right. Well, there's there's an issue where you know Jones isn't performing stuff, but to opposition teams, he does he doesn't look good, and he always he's one of those players who always is a bit he's kind of the embodiment of Sale in the the press will always be, oh, you know, I'll tell you what, like Mark Jones is saying, he's alright actually. In the same way, like, in the sale, these boys are alright actually. And Steve Diamond gets the same kind of, it's a very, you know. Um, and then, other than that, um, we've rated everyone appropriately. Yeah, McGuigan, I think, will continue to, you know, perform. Evans, I've already said, will. They're all under the radar players, but in terms of people who are going to stand out, I think the problem is everyone's going to be looking at Solomon or O'Connor and Bafta Clerk. You know, um, therefore, it's going to be quite hard for people to make a, a big impact. I think Will Griff John could. He's got the raw sort of talent to be able to do to make an impact like that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. 
Okay, cool. Open it up a little bit more to some, some Premiership stuff. Um, top four. Who do you think is going to be top four? I'll give you mine. Uh, Wasps, Exeter, Saracens, Leicester. Not in that. Not in that order. Just, just, just general. I think that's I think that's nailed on. Job done. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Any yeah. dissension? Yeah. Uh, I'd have. Oh, yeah. If it's not in that order, yeah. Um, who else is there? Really, Bath. Not really gonna. I, I can't see them doing anything major. Um, and then you're into the realms of us and Quins and stuff. Yeah. Who are probably gonna trouble it. So. Yeah, can't disagree. I think Saris will probably um, finish top, and I've got a sneaking suspicion Leicester might win it because if they got to the semi-finals and nearly got through to the final last year with the team they had, I think the additions they have will make an impact. Oh, you've just answered my next question, uh, James. Who do you think is going to win a, win the Premiership this season? All right. I, I don't know. I was going all out was before the Tommy Taylor injury, uh, <laughs> and I, I do think that that is a problem for them. They've not got depth yeah, at yeah. two. So it, uh, with I don't know Saracens Saracens going Saracens not to come top of the league but to win to win it. Uh, you see, for a moment, I thought we were all going to have different answers because I was going to say Saracens. I'm, I'm going to say Saracens. I've, every the last three years, every time I've watched a, a big Saracens game, I thought, okay, this is going to be the time when um, somebody knocks them off the perch. But you know, they just continue to win, you know, week in week out. And to be honest, I won't be surprised if they won the European Champions Cup again. Like I'm, I'm I think Saracens are still, you know, the cream of the crop. And I think, you know, it's all well and good. <laughs> I was talking about Sale maybe sneaking into sixth, but I think there's a long way to go before we can compete with uh, a team and a club, you know, that operating. In, in the way Saracens do but that's uh, that's something for us to you know, keep focusing on last thing uh, we've, I think we've done a pretty comprehensive we're about an hour 30 now um, much to uh, James's uh, disappointment I'm sure um, for those of you who don't know James wants us to do shorter pods little bite sized ones so people can listen yeah, to in it in the, the season community. I think it should be alright get send the stuff in to to at Shark Tank Rugby right we want to know how long <laughs> you want our podcast to be because quite frankly, I listen to our podcast back, and it, it's if, you, if you're struggling to sleep, it's ideal. Right? <laughs> it's, it's absolutely ideal. So, no, no, no. During the season, how long do you want them to be? Anywhere between sort of 20 minutes to an hour. What do you want? All right, and we will uh, we'll look at your feedback with relish. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a really good idea. Obviously, we've, we've got a bit longer today because obviously it's a bit of a season preview and we've not sort of spoken. But I mean, we'll be we'll be back next week with with the wrap up of the Wasp game and a look ahead to Newcastle. And at that point, obviously, we're looking to condense things down. Um, so with that, we're on to the very last topic that I want to talk about. What do we think of the new sale home kit? And before before we sort of give our opinions, um, I saw a really good tweet. I think it was uh, Joe Brame um, on, on Twitter who was talking about how we had all these, you know, sort of teaser videos, you know, and sort of like slowly revealing the kit and stuff. And then there was talk of an away teaser that never really materialised. And then the sort of, I don't know about you, but the actual like release of the kit was a bit, was a bit underwhelming. It was literally just someone had taken a picture on their iPhone of Josh Townley uh, at the press day. And that, and that, that was that. And I was a bit like, it's a great kit and I actually really like it, but... I thought so we were going to do a little bit more. And I think, again, talking about growing the club's sort of brand and stuff, which which definitely needs to be rebuilt, I feel, and which we can do now we've got new ownership. That was a you know, really easy opportunity, you know, to sort of, you know, make a bit of a make a bit of a splash and sort of say, you know, set sail back, you know, in, in the big time. But, you know, it didn't sort of come to pass. But regardless, what do you think? Um, what do you think about uh, the new shirt and the new kit? It's 
risky, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I think there's going to be a few die-hard Sale fans that are going out aware of the hoops because they they all kicking off about Finn, uh, you know, and then suddenly now the Finn's gone. What are we going to do? This is absolutely crazy. What is it, you know? Um, I, I think it's for the for our market in the northwest. We've got a lot of league fans. We've got two of the league's biggest stars playing for us. It is, has a leaguey feel to to the shirt. Okay, yeah. We've got a bit of a South Sea Island thing going on, and with Ioni and Leota, uh, the Otter. That I think that I think it was we were due a change, um, and it's a bit risky, and it will stand out. Last time we did a bit of a change of shirt, we nearly got relegated. So that's a big change to the style. So I just I just hope that we play well in it. But I do th- I think it's actually quite good actually. Um, but I've taken a few feedback from my friends and they aren't quite sure. They think it's a bit sort of sort of James May 2008 on top of it. Um, whereas I actually think it's quite modern and, and, and cutting edge. I really like it. Apart from the it's really hard to describe on a podcast. <laughs> but the the bit on the, the ribs. He's now. Uh, you obviously can't see this, but Alex is now pointing at his ribs. <laughs> he's, now, he's now indicating where it is. I just. And it is a minor thing because I really like it. I love the, the shoulder stuff. Everything else is fine. It's, it's you know, it's not offensive. But it just. It comes over a bit too much and it's a bit too visible on the. the and that is really properly nitpicky. Yeah. Bit too visible on the ribs. So. Please pass my feedback on who, who makes our kit. I mean, Sam- samurai. The socks, yeah. the socks are white socks. I think that's oh, yeah. pretty isn't it? I mean, if you're trying to if you're trying to lie on the wrong side in the ruck, that's going to be no good at all. You see I that? Mean, I, I think I'm going to actually top Alex in terms of being uh, in terms of nitpicking because I think the white the white socks is an interesting choice. It might look better in uh, you know in play. I don't know. My biggest um, gripe though is. On all the training stuff, the Samurai Sportswear logo is like is like uh, monochrome. It's like whited out, and it looks really good. It looked it would have looked so good on this kit because it's just blue and white. But they've got it with like the sort of red sort of um, sun in in the logo. That is is the bit of the kit that uh, irks me the most. So I think that might even be even more nitpicking than 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 the than the details on the ribs. I don't know. As a part time Liverpool fan. Um, I'm not to take it. I don't like taking it to football, but they have this lovely. You've seen their kit this season. It's this lovely, yeah, yeah, superb, really deep red, and then they've just stuck a massive Western Union yellow logo on the left sleeve, which makes it look awful. So it is. It could be worse, um, but I do agree with you. I thought the, the new training stuff looked really nice with the grey samurai logo, but that'll be part of their it's part of their brand, isn't it? It's yeah, much more noticeable. Yeah. So you know. There you are. I'd, I'd prefer we got our kits made by Canterbury. Or who am I to, who am I to nitpick? It's a really nice kit, so well done there. I think. I think the thing with the kits is, I think when you actually look at the entire league, and I got, I got the promotional image up of all the twelve players like stood with the yeah. logo, uh, stood with the trophy at Twickenham. I looked at it and I thought, you know what? There's only Bath, Wasps, Harlequins, and maybe Leicester if they didn't have the stupid Grandad collar on it. That that is definitely better than sales. I think it's it's definitely in, in the sort of top tier of the league. I think it's it's bold, it's ambitious. I think it actually looks quite clean, even though it's very sort of busy because I think they've done really well to restrain the pattern. I actually think it's uh, I think it, it, it's quite nice. Um, which doesn't sh- give the yellow one there, does it? No, no. And the last, very very last thing. Um, I, I've had a few people tweet at me to say 
we're getting a new alternate kit. So not an away kit. So we're going to have a home kit, which is the new blue one. We're going to have an away one, which is the... We're keeping the fluorescent yellow for whatever reason. Which, by the way, we've now played games uh, in across four seasons because we played uh, a game in it at the end of... Um, End of 2014-15, I think it was. So I think we've had that kit for nearly four seasons. is an absolute joke. Because uh, I, I think it's one of the worst in I the mean, league. If anything, it should be the home kit. It's glow <laughs> in the dark, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know why we're keeping that. Anyway, carry on. What's this alternative one that's coming in? So yeah, so apparently we're getting like a, like a third alternate European kit, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I've had a couple of people tweet me. They've not actually replied to, to my responses, so I don't really know how, how much validity is in it. But apparently the ultimate kit we're getting is going to be uh, fluorescent orange. It can't be. It can't. I just it's don't refuse. Normal pens? Are they only stuck with highlights? <laughs> I mean, what what's going on? I I, I just because I I look around the sort of terraces and I despair a little bit when I see people wearing that away kit. So I think you know, don't encourage them because it's not. <laughs> it's such a bad kit. And if you buy it and wear it, uh, it's only it's going to think that's what people want. But I don't get where this sort of fluorescent trend in rugby is coming. Have you seen the new Northampton kit? It's abysmal. Horrendous. Like, I mean, that really is. But, I mean, I just don't think we're going to be in the position to take any sort of high ground on, on kits. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think our home one, we've done, we've done okay, but it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. In fact, we've done well, I think, but it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But if we go fluorescent yellow and fluorescent orange as the next two, I mean, that's just going to be painful. Players yeah. will leave. Players <laughs> will leave at that point. I mean, Exeter have been pulling off a pink kit in Europe for some time, but when you're now the champions of England, like you just right. you sort of get everyone in struggle and just go, you wish you could pull off pink. Yeah, you see, um, I I remember those days back at Edgeley Park, and every time we used to get Stade Francais in in Europe, my um, my dad uh, always used to say to me. <laughs> You were you wouldn't say anything to, to those players about uh, about looking a bit uh, a bit fruity and pink, would you? You know, because and I think because I think you can do pink. I think pink works, but fluorescent yellow, fluorescent orange, it's just it's just it's just very strange, and I, I just don't understand. I don't understand where the sort of uh, thinking comes from. But I don't know. That's why I'm not paid the big bucks at Samurai, I suppose. <laughs> do we should we agree on the look ahead to the Wasp game then, and just just quick, should we uh, should we make our predictions because we're, we're going to be back on our sort of our weekly podcast now aren't we yeah, uh, yeah and i think we should start we should start scoring who's who's closest or something okay um we should also come up with all our league tables for sale how how we end up because i think mine will have us in about second because <laughs> optimism and lewis will have us in 12 <laughs> i'm not that i'm not that pessimistic i think we're better than irish yeah, definitely. What's the result then? What's the result then next? On the, when are we playing them? Is it Saturday? It's Saturday, Saturday, it? Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Saturday afternoon, yeah. I I'm going to say um, some proper summer rugby, lots of free flowing stuff. Fafter Clark gets a hatch now. Um, <laughs> I think in all seriousness, I think it's going to be uh, like forty-two thirty to Wasps. I think we'll get four tries. I think we'll just chuck it around and you know and play laissez-faire rugby. And, and just sort of go for it. I think Wasp, you know, still have too much for us, but I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we, we can at least run them close at least to the last sort of 10 minutes and, you know, sort of make a good show of ourselves. So I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 40-32, something like that. Yeah, 40-32. Okay. In the interest of making it a bit exciting, because I was going to go for something like that, I'm going to go for a sale win because I do think we can turn them over and I'm going to say it'll be 32-28. 
I think we're going to score three tries um, and Wasps are going to score loads rounding <laughs> down um, and uh, it's going to be 38-22 ok alright well with that I guess the, the only thing to do is uh, yeah, check in next week to see how wrong we are when, uh, when Sale wins <laughs> 6-3 <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, great talking to you guys again, obviously, and we're, we're really excited to be here and, and hopefully move into sort of a, a, a shorter, more regular format. Um, we're really happy with all the feedback we've got. Um, it seems people, you know, cell fans do appreciate um, listening to us natter on for 90 minutes or whatever, um, and we promise we will shorten it down a little bit. Um, on your end, um, you, the listener, it, all, all retweets, favourites, shares. If you've got a mate who likes rugby, um, if you, you know, if your missus you know doesn't like rugby, doesn't matter. You know, just give him this podcast and say, look, these guys care a lot about about this, and they're trying to get it off the ground, and you know, want to be a voice for for sales fans and supporters. And we are going to be looking to do a bit more sort of fan interaction in the coming weeks um, as well. Sort of like, you know, James did really well this week, this morning on Twitter, and getting getting some tweets on him. You know, we want to be doing you know questions of the day and all that sort of stuff. Um, but we do really appreciate, you know, any nice or even even any not nice things, you know, you have to say. We've, we've just got people are listening to us, uh, to us ramble on. Um, so, yeah, like, subscribe, five stars, you know, all, all that stuff. You know, go on iTunes, go on um, all the podcasting apps. And if you can just give us a rating, that does, you know, make a big difference um, as we hopefully uh, expand the podcast a little bit. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's me signing off. So uh, with the hope of uh, an exciting new season for sale up ahead, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign off. So... Cheers, Alex. Thank you very much, mate. It's been a pleasure. And cheers, James. Cheers, mate. See you next week. <laughs>